0: and welcome to this edition of Spotlight with Sandhya. It's become quite common in recent days for people to switch careers. Today's guest did so a while ago and has gone from being an IT engineer to becoming a best-selling author and a historian. After publishing three books, he's just inked a deal with Penguin to publish his next three books. He has quite a few other feathers to his cap. He is the founder of a literary and cultural festivals, and also a trained classical musician. To find out more about his interesting journey, let's welcome to the show, the very accomplished Dr. Vikram Sampath. Hi, Vikram. Welcome to the show. Hello
1: Sandhya. Hello, Sandhya.
0: Congratulations on securing such a fantastic deal. You know, and this is really heartening news. Tell us how it came all came
1: about, Vikram. I'm just uh, you know working on a two-volume biography of Veer uh, Savarkar. Uh, the first volume of which just came out last year, and uh, I think that went on to do much better than even what I or the publishers Penguin expected. Uh, and so the second volume is expected next year. So the first volume went on to become a national bestseller, and it also won uh, you know praise from the Prime Minister and so on. So. I think uh, there's there's an increasing need and demand for uh, non-fiction works, and more so, I think Indian history. Uh, so lots of young people are looking forward to reading uh, stories of our own past uh, in a manner that's, uh, which is you know written in a manner which is exciting, inspiring, uh, and you know which they can relate to. So I think Penguin was very keen to um, have an entire corpus of books that we could produce together over the next couple of years. And we debated quite a bit about what uh, what all could be the topics I have in my head, ideas with the, for the next 20 books, but then we shortlisted three of them. And so one is a biography of uh, Chhatrapati Shivaji, uh, another from our own state, Sultan. Uh, and so as you see, both these figures are the kinds who intrude our contemporary you know, political discourse, our notions of what nationalism is, what secularism is, all these uh, hot debates are held around these characters even now. And another book which uh, covers kind of, uh, you know, short stories, biographies of lots of unsung heroes and heroines of uh, India from different parts of India, because I think Indian history has been so limited to just the history of Delhi and uh, the dynasties that ruled Delhi, North India, whereas large parts of india southern india northeast india these don't feature at all in you know the historical narrative of this country so that book would come bring together a compilation of several such uh, interesting men and women uh, across various periods of our history so that's what uh, it's been quite exciting to sign this new deal with penguin uh, just last week
0: what's the timeline for these books when can we ex- expect them have you begin work what's the process all about
1: yeah, so so the next uh, volume of Savarkar itself is due, uh, and I keep getting uh, asked that on social media all the time as to when that's going to come out, but thanks to this lockdown and the, you know, the whole um, impediment to travel, because books like this require a lot of travel for research. Um, so that's something that's been impeded since the time COVID struck. So the, the Savarkar volume two, I'm hoping will come in uh, by the middle of next year. Uh, June, July of 2021 after which uh, we've scheduled it for a book a year so I don't even know so the next 5 years are going to be really really very tight uh, with uh, getting all these actually 4 books out uh, if you include the Savarkar book as well
0: (laughs) So let's touch base about the Savarkar book you know, um, did you deliberately time it to tap into this whole Hindutva wave that's sweeping across the country?
1: <laughs> no, Sandhya, I think you you know me well enough not to be doing such things. It's just that uh, uh, Samarkar, uh, you know, or if you see my past books as well, uh, all these characters, uh, whether it was Goharjan, whether it was the Vodiyars of Mysore, even Beena ba- S. Balachandar, about whom I wrote, these have all been characters who have either been forgotten, uh, you know, in popular historical narrative or they have been maligned. Uh, Balachandar was one such who has been so badly maligned in the Carnatic uh, music uh, firmament. Uh, Gohar Jan, despite being a trailblazer, India's first ever commercial commercially recorded artist in 1902, first woman to record and all of those uh, achievements to her credit, people have forgotten her. Savarkar was a bit of both. Uh, you know, he's so maligned by everybody. Uh, even now in contemporary politics, in election rallies, his name is invoked all the time uh, either by those who agree with him or those who disagree with him so he's constantly someone who's in the news and my interest in him actually was aroused way back in 2003 or 4 you know when the Vajpayee government first you know uh, put up the plaque in his honor in kalapani and then you had mani shankar having that removed and the whole fracas that uh, came across there since then, he's been maligned as a traitor, as a British stooge and all these uh, uh, epithets that are, that are thrown at him. But then when I turned back and s- uh, saw what was the, uh, what is the uh, extant uh, you know, intellectual uh, work about him that is there today, uh, the last biography of his was written way back in the 1960s uh, when he was still alive. He died in 1966 so uh, by this man called dhananjay Kir, so obviously it was a it was more like a commissioned biography so a very very hagiographical account every page is you know full of praises to savarkar and so on so ever since then there's hardly been uh, you know any attempt by historians to to revisit the life and times of a man who invokes such polarized and strong opinions in India today. Uh, so I, I have no problem if someone hates somebody uh, very intensely, but even to hate someone, you really need to know what about that person you hate. Uh, so be in, let it be informed hatred, <laughs> if, it, if we can call that, rather than blind bhakti or blind hatred for somebody. So I thought it was a, a historian's burden, so to say, to bring all the amount of this copious amount of material that is just, uh, crying to be heard, uh, not only in India, but in archives across the world. And it's, I think, as I said, a historian's burden to make these documents available uh, in the public realm so that people, the readers, who are discerning and intelligent enough can make up their mind on which uh, side of uh, you know the debate they would like to sway, whether they, after reading all of that, if they still find Savarkar a very offensive person, uh, so be it. But if something about him interests them or attracts them, then I think that's also a good thing. Rather than having a prejudiced and a biased kind of uh, uh, you know opinion about anybody for or against, I think it's very important to have an informed judgment about anyone. So it was with that intention that, you know, I set off on this journey several years ago. It's taken me about four years now. Uh, and in fact, I wanted it to be a three-volume biography because there's so much material about him. Uh, a problem of plenty <laughs> for once where uh, from archives in India, in London, in Paris, in Germany, in different parts of the world.
0: Okay, so let's talk about someone closer to home, which is, you know, the Tiger of Mysore, Tipu Sultan. He's become a very controversial figure in recent years. On the one hand, he's hailed as a freedom fighter, a great strategist, a great warrior, and an environmentalist. Much of the greenery that we see in our Lal Bagh as thanks to him and his father. But on the other hand, he's also reviled as a brutal suppressor. So what aspects of him would you bring out in your
1: book? Sandhya, I've always held that, you know, it's a historian's duty not to sit in judgment of characters of the past, particularly by yardsticks that we set today, Uh, you know, to, to judge an 18th century ruler by definitions of what nationalism and secularism and communalism and all of that is today, I think it's being very unfair to the character as well. And also does a lot of injustice to the history of India itself. So uh, my goal all through is to see the, the pluses and minuses in the person. So Tipu, is, I, I would always you know, um, define him as a historian's enigma. Uh, as you mentioned, there are these multiple shades of his uh, on the one hand, I mean, someone who also pioneered rocket uh, technology and all of that. There's so many of that and tales of valor and bravery in the way he fought. He and Hyder Ali fought the British. Uh, I mean, in the first Anglo-Mysore war, you had the British literally uh, pushed to the very gates of Madras. And the second Anglo-Mysore war, which ended in the Treaty of Mangalore, uh, that was the last, uh, possibly the last document where an Indian power had an upper hand over the, over the uh, British in any treaty. Uh, so such was the valor of the Mysorean army, of which I think we in Karnataka need to be very proud of. But at the same time, there's also this social report card which uh, which cannot be ignored, the atrocities that were committed by him and religious atrocities. It was more of a theocratic uh, you know, assault on people uh, who did not believe in his faith. Uh, and this happened in Mangalore, in Kurg, in Kerala, to the mandyam Iyengars. And these are people who still... After so many two centuries, there is still animosity, there is still that pain and hatred which hasn't gone away. Uh, And I think uh, the sad part of how Indian history has been written is that we kind of whitewash these excesses. Uh, Whereas world over, I think history provides those spaces for people to... To, to kind of heal the wounds of the past, to heal those wounds and move on. There's a truth and reconciliation that happens with all aspects of uh, history. We've seen that with the Holocaust uh, you know, museums where um, nobody shies away from saying whatever happened to the Jews in different parts of the world. Uh, this is commemorated, whereas in India, uh, for contemporary politics sake, we try to push all these under the carpet and say all this never happened. So while extolling someone, um, you know, falsely is also bad, I think reviling someone also completely is equally bad. So there needs to be the balanced judgment. And I think that is what a historian needs to do uh, to put all these facts together and uh, also provide a context to whatever happened, because every person is a product of his or her circumstances and the times in which they lived in so i think providing that would be my main focus uh, with tipu i know it's a it's a minefield uh, because you don't know where which landmine you're landing on and what bomb would uh, you know burst on your face uh, same with shivaji you uh, we saw what happened to lanes uh, biography of shivaji and the way uh, you know, his, um, uh, his book was banned in India. So these are very sensitive and difficult topics. And that's, again, a big, you know, contradiction where we as a country have always held, we have so little regard for our history, for our past. You know, monuments, Tipu's palace in Bangalore is in such a bad shape. Uh, Tipu's armories where those rockets were made, I mean, they routinely get uh, shifted here and there in Srirang Patna to uh, to broaden the railway line and so on but then we get so sensitive and touchy when it comes to any objective analysis of of the same historical character so i think uh, the the need of the hour is to liberate our history and also our historical characters from this extreme sense of sensitivity that we have i don't know how successful it will be because yeah both these books are landmines that i'm Uh, you know, quite scared of stepping on, but so was Savarkar. Uh, My mother was certainly very, very (laughs) apprehensive that why on earth are you, uh, you know, inviting problems on yourself because you never know who's going to do what. Because I remember even when I wrote the Mysore book, there was one section there on Haider and Tipu Sultan and I'd given a couple of uh, talks in different parts of Bangalore and that had led to protests. My talks were shouted down. There was some article I wrote for a newspaper in Bangalore on, actually not even Tipu Sultan but the divans of Tipu Sultan and there was a reference to Purnaya and so on. And that actually offended some people and there was, in fact my effigy was burnt right there in front of the uh, Deccan Herald office in on MG Road in Bangalore. So all these uh, troubles do exist, but then I think those are all part of an occupational hazard for a historian whose only work I think needs to be to illuminate the truth. Because I think, they, as they say, you know, sunlight is the best disinfectant. <laughs>
0: Absolutely and more power to your pen uh, Vikram and talking about your pen when did you first decide to move from being an you know an IT engineer there you were busy writing code I presume and then you started writing about um, history and you made a career out of this and you also have an MBA in finance and you have a doctorate in history and music that's quite a wide arc that you cover. Tell us more about it.
1: So I've always held that, you know, my literary journey has been serendipity at its best. Uh, never planned, never thought of, never, you know, uh, in a very uh, organized way. I don't think it proceeded at all. It was just a series of happy accidents for which I'm so grateful to so many people. Uh, so I think it was uh, when I was 12 or 13 years old. There was this uh, television serial on Durdash in those days called The Sword of Tipu Sultan. So Tipu Sultan, I do owe a lot to him because he is the one who's the, the the inspiration behind me taking up to history. So and as a uh, you know student then in school, I hated history as a subject uh, because it just meant memorizing everything by rote and who succeeded whom and which battle and these things never made any sense. Uh, But then this serial, if you remember, uh, the Maharaja and the Maharani of Mysore, uh, Imbadi Krishnaraja Vadyar and this uh, Rani Lakshmi Ammani, they were shown in a very, very poor light and there were protests in different parts of uh, our state here and Mysore, Bangalore, different uh, places. Where, as you know, the Vadyar family is still held in a lot of regard and reverence. Even when the last uh, Sion, uh, Shri Kanta passed away, Mysore just shut down voluntarily because uh, nobody asked them to or anything. It's just that respect they have for the family, uh, considering all the uh, firsts to their credit, the welfare of modern uh, Karnataka, which was brought up by this dynasty. So naturally, there was a lot of upheaval about that. If you remember, the studio caught fire and Sanjay Khan's face also got burnt. uh, And so people were ascribing it to the curse of the Wadiyaar and all kinds of things. So as a little boy, I was just... Soaking into all of this and I just wanted and on an impulse I decided that I need to know the truth behind this falsehood uh, and for what joy I really don't know. And so that led to a a series of uh, visits, um, maniacal almost uh, visits to Mysore every vacation, uh, meeting members of the royal family, to palace archives, to libraries, to old timers in Mysore, gathering material um, and it became a family project my parents, my maternal grandmother, because I couldn't even read Kannada in those days. So my grandmother would translate those, uh, uh, you know, documents for me. And I was just maintaining a logbook of sorts. I was also quite okay at sketching and painting. So I would sit in the palace and make sketches of all these Maharajas. And it was just a very personal project, never with the intention that this is going to become a book or we would to market it as a, a bestseller or any th- such thing that, Authors today kind of have a very planned career. So after so, and this madness, it was almost Junoon that continued for close to 10 years, even as I was doing my engineering, my MBA, and every, the Mysore bug was always there on the back of my mind. And I realized that, uh, you know, from the, that one king and queen, the interest then expanded to the entire dynasty. Uh, and the Wadiars ruled were well, one of the longest reigning royal houses of this country 600 years from 1399 to 1947 and we didn't even have any books in the modern time which covered their uh, story and so uh, that was again as I said earlier the way the lopsided way in which the history of India is written where such a uh, illustrious dynasty such a long serving dynasty is not even given its uh, pride of position in our historiography. And so that's why after those 10 years of collecting so much material, many well-wishers then advised me that, you know, why don't you put all of this together in the form of a book? And that's how my first book, Splendors of Royal Mysore, the untold story of the Wadiyars It was untold because nobody had really told that story uh, in that way, uh, in a manner that encapsulated the entire 600 years of their uh, rule. So that came about and then one led to the other. And while I was researching on the wadiyars I came across the reference to Boharjan. Uh, who was a visiting musician from Calcutta, but had died in Mysore. And that's how the second book came up. And so so that's why I said these were all a series of very, very happy accidents uh, for which I'm so grateful, first of all, to my parents and, uh, you know, my grandmother and to the the universe for conspiring to ensure that this uh, worked out the way it did.
0: Talking about Gauhar, your book on her is one of my favorites, you know, and I think I've told you that before. I watched the play of course when it was staged here in Bangalore and I've heard that Ashutosh Gaurikar is now making a movie of it, so right. any right. further updates on it, who's going to be acting in it, are you going to attempt writing the screenplay, tell us a little bit more.
1: I, yeah, I, we, we, I still don't know who's uh, who's been shortlisted to play the role but then yeah, the the screenplay is something that I've been assisting uh, you know, Ashutosh with. Uh, and so we've had. So I'm also like a period consultant for the film. So we've been having a lot of back and forth um, on on how it needs to be structured. And it was very gracious of Ashutosh to 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 kind of involve me in the whole project because I, the way filmmakers in India are, I think they take owners of everything uh, themselves. They are also the researcher, the writer, the historian, the filmmaker, everything all in one. So to that extent, I think Ashutosh was very gracious. And so we've had. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, dialogue, especially in the last six to seven months. I think it, would, it should have hit the production, uh, should have started this uh, year. But I, again, thanks to COVID, I think everything has been delayed. So I guess towards the end of the year or early next year is what I think he's planning to begin the process. And hopefully someone someone good enough is going to play the role. Because again, she's a story who's, um, which is dying to be told uh, for for all the achievements of her life, for the struggles, uh, the highs and the lows of not only a a musician but also a a woman and what all she faced in her life and also faced it with such courage and conviction. Uh, I think that would be an inspirational story in itself so I do hope someone really competent plays that role.
0: I do hope so too and it looks like you have your work cut out for the next couple of years Vikram, and, and I guess you'll be losing more weight. I know you wanted me to compliment you on losing the- <laughs> a compliment on being a very fit historian. I think the fittest historian that I've had uh, the opportunity to encounter. Vikram, I know you've won several awards, but I think one of the most fascinating experiences in my mind would have been when you were a writer in residence at the Rashtrapati Bhavan. Tell us a little about the experience.
1: Yeah, that was uh, truly, Sandhya, one of the most memorable experiences I've had. Uh, and this was the, in the year 2015. Uh, and the former president, the late uh, Bharat Ratna uh, Prana Mukherjee, uh, had, I think, democratized Rashtrapati Bhavan, ensured that it was open for uh, common people uh, by building that wonderful museum, uh, the Rashtrapati Museum inside, dedicated to all the presidents of India. And he had started this program of writers and artists in residence where for two weeks we could stay uh, in the Rashtrapati Bhavan and also soak in the entire atmosphere there. And also, uh, you know, almost be like a shadow to the president, wherever he went, whatever uh, ceremonies and so on, he participated. Most of that, we were also given an invite uh, to be a part of. And he also gave us uh, several occasions of, uh, um, you know, meeting him and, talking uh, our minds out and hearing his uh, point of view. So, uh, And there was no agenda as such that you had to finish something at the end of two weeks. If you had something to do, you could do. So for instance, I spent the two weeks there also reading up a lot about... Uh, the culture policies of different countries. Uh, and I made a draft uh, vision document for a national culture policy for India, which I then submitted to the government of India. And it's sitting pretty there in the Ministry of Culture, like most documents do. But then so each of us could do any such, uh, you know um, activity of our choice and the President's Secretariat would uh, give all uh, assistance and support uh, for whatever we did. Uh, and I still remember on the valedictory day, uh, it was held, first of all, in this very historic room uh, called the cabinet room. I think that was where the uh, uh, the, the uh, instrument of partition of India was signed uh, by Mountbatten, Jinnah and Nehru. And so we were also told that this was the very room where all these eminences you know, decided the fate of the subcontinent and you're all seated there. And that itself was enough to give us goose flesh. Uh, and... Pranabda was so warm to all of us, and he said something that you know it sticks to my mind even now. Where he said, uh, "You know, you're all young people, and you're still you've not seen the the highest glories of your life. Uh, and at some point of your life, you're going to reach that pinnacle. Uh, when I am not going to be there for sure, uh, but I'm. Uh, but I do hope that at that point, when you reach your peak, you will remember this old man who had only good for you, and who played a very very small role, perhaps in." Uh, getting you up to this peak.
0: Let me also remind you that um, His Excellency Pranab Mukherjee had read your writing in the book that we published for the Raj Bhavan on Karnataka's Cultural Odyssey and where you had very kindly written an article for us. He had been impressed by your writing much before you went to (laughs) Rastrupathi Bhavan. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would like to thank Vikram Sampath for joining the show. Take care. Bye-bye. You can also watch the video of this interview on the Rain Tree Media YouTube channel.